Morning. I'll kind of take this slow to allow people to come in and sit down. Welcome this morning. It's a few degrees cooler than it has been. It feels pretty good. It's all, it's all relative. 85 feels cool compared to 110. Okay, let's uh, open with a word of prayer. Lord, thanks so much for this day that you've made, and uh, I pray that all of us would just be uh, able to rejoice in it as you call us to, and thank you that we get to meet together to encourage each other, to worship you, and to just be filled up for the week. Praise your name. Amen. This uh, weekend we had, have actually still going on, I might might jet out a little early day to get back to it. A family reunion on my dad's side, the Carlson side, so it's cousins and, and aunts and uncles. Not, not a huge group, but there's probably 70, 70 of us total. Yeah, it's a pretty good size. So we have a lot of fun. And uh, Audrey and I were in charge of doing, organizing a few games over the weekend, so we did that. And one of the things, because we have, there's, there's a lot of new families we Actually, one of the uncles was like, man, how many is there? We counted up, there was six kids two years or younger, just in our family. And then, you know, of course, a lot of other kids up, up the age. So when we were thinking of games, like, let's do a game that would be fun for little kids. So we had, well, simple, we're going to do a race. And then it was a race, take your age times 10 yards, and that was your distance. So that would kind of make it fun. It's not exact, because anyway, but just make it fun for them. So we had four kids that were one year or younger, actually, so they're only going 10 yards, and, and a lot of them couldn't walk. There's some that could walk, kind of, but there's, and it, and it, so, so we've kind of had like a miniature diaper derby, diaper derby, been to the county fair ever, and so we did that, and it just str- struck us when we see these little kids coming, and then Elise's trucking, then a cousin, just, you know, a little older, way faster, then she just stops, turns around. Veers off, is trying to play with the lead. Like it's it's classic, kind of funny. It just kind of reminds us in life, we can get distracted pretty easy, and it's it's about focus, focusing on God, and and uh, keeping keeping that focus and not getting distracted, and where we get in trouble. And it reminded me of the verse in First uh, Corinthians, Paul. It says in First Corinthians nine, starting in verse twenty four. Do you know? That in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So it's a good encouragement. And, he, and a, another game we played also kind of reminded me of this in a slightly different way. Similar, it was with the adults we had, we call Family Olympics. And so there's just goofy games we come up with, and you make teams, and you try to, try to win. One of them was, it wasn't exactly a relay, but it was as a team you were trying to fill a bucket with water. So, so the game was, you'd, you'd have this cookie sheet with four solo cups on it, and you'd fill them up from a bucket, and you had to carry them, the four foot to the bucket and then dump them in. You're trying to fill it up to a certain line. Sounds simple, right? It's really simple. Except that 
the person carrying the cups, directly preceding carrying the cups, had to spin around ten times around a bat. And then you had to do it. And it got very fun to watch. Some of them try to accomplish this. And it kind of just ran through. Same kind of analogy in that, like, what are we doing in our life? Like, a task could be very simple that God calls us to do. What are we doing to ourselves, a.k.a. the bat, that is just making it really difficult? Like, they still accomplished it. There was some pretty impressive recoveries, like 40 feet this way and this way. And they got her back and they got the job done. But, boy, it's a lot more difficult than it needed to be. And so, I got to think, ah, just to kind of check. Could be sin, could be business, could be this. Could be a lot of things that are just us doing it, not something we have to just, I mean, that, that was obviously, they were required to do that, but I don't know, something to think about is maybe there's something in your life that's, that's causing hindrance where, there's, where it's unnecessary. So, that's what I have, focus on God, get rid of the unnecessary distractions. Invite the worship team to come up. And I'll uh, say a prayer for the offering as well and invite you guys to join in worship. Lord, thanks so much once again. And we just uh, look forward to praising your name in song and just uh, pray that you would lead us as a worship team and lead the congregation to just, uh, yeah, bringing joy to ourselves through worshiping you. And we just also thank you for blessing us so much, and we pray for the offering as well. Good morning, and welcome here. If you've not been here before, we welcome you here. It is good to have you here with us this morning. We have been going, we finished going through First John, and we're going to go through Second John. We're going to go through a whole book today, but there's only 13 verses, so it's about the same as what I've been doing. But Second John and sorry, Theron, I didn't write chapter 1, verses 1 through 13, because there's only one chapter. But that's what it is, is the book of Second John. I'm going to read that. Why don't you stand up with me, if you would, while we read Second John. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but all those who have known the truth because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, and grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we have received commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. 
Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> so John starts again, wrote this soon after he wrote 1 John, but, and I think he's maybe speaking to a little bit more specific uh, church body or group of people because he's talking to the elect lady and her children. So I, I don't know for sure who it was, but maybe somebody that or somebody specific that was a part of the church or, or part of a certain community is who he was talking to. But yet, again, the way the scripture works is that it was relevant for then, but it's also still relevant for today. So we're going into a lot, to a little bit more yet about loving one another. We've been really, really sticking on this one. For some reason, this is where the Lord has us right now in continuing to learn and continuing to encourage us to love one another. And the reason that we, I feel the reason that we're still right here and we're still going through this is because that is extremely hard to do. To be reminded of that on a weekly basis or a semi-weekly basis is not too often because we can leave here and by Tuesday we can forget that we're supposed to love one another or sometimes by Monday morning we can forget that. And then we come back here together and we encourage one another and we learn again and we are reminded again Yes, we're still supposed to love one another. And I always like how it says it, but that's what it says. First John 3.18 says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And that's one that we went through not so long ago. But just to remind us that it's one thing to say that we love one another, but it's a completely different thing to actually do. But yeah, that's what we're called to do. Not just to say it, not in word or in tongue only, but also in deed and in truth. In the first three verses of Second of John, it, it says, he uses the word truth four times. But it seems like maybe he's trying to make a point here. We need to stick to the truth. Let's not stray from the truth. Let's not get distracted from what the truth is. John chapter 8. <clears throat> In verses 31 through 36. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. <laughs> you see, when we were in bondage to sin, we weren't welcome in the house but because of what Christ did and he took that punishment for our sin, now we are welcome as sons of God to be with him. If the Son has set you free, you shall be free indeed. There's no other thing, there's no other way that we can be set free except to be set free by the Son. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 3 
In verse 1 is what I'm going to read. Right there, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? How are you not willing to believe the truth when it was so clearly laid out in front of you what has happened? What Christ did for you, we know, we heard, some of these people may have seen with their own eyes. And yet they still chose not to believe the truth. If we, it's easy for us to believe something that we can see and that we can handle and, and physically be a part of. But even then, sometimes we don't. We choose to not follow and not believe what the truth is. Back to Second John, it says, I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. Here it goes again, continuing to remind us this is not anything new. It's not something different that we come up with. It's the same thing that we learned from the beginning, that we should love one another. John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name he may give you. These things I command you, and here we go again, that you love one another. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. So if we're truly children of God, if we're truly friends of God, Jesus says, I have given everything that I have heard and I've passed it on to you. Whereas if we're a slave of sin or if we're a servant, we don't necessarily hear everything that comes down from God. But Jesus says, no, no, this is what it is. Everything that I hear from the Father, I'm going to give to you. And he keeps repeating over and over and over, the most important thing that we can do is to love one another. Ephesians chapter 5. The first uh, two verses, therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Be imitators of God. This is the example that Christ set for us because in John it said, greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. No greater love or no greater example that we have to follow than Jesus coming down here from heaven and living here and sacrificing himself for us. The ultimate example for us to follow. We will never get it perfect while we're here. 
But if we did, we would stop trying. But the way it is now, we continue to strive to follow the example that Christ set for us in loving one another. First Peter chapter 4. Verses 7 through 11. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability with, with which the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Are we walking in the way that brings glory to God? Use these things. It says in, in 1 Peter, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. Being good stewards, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Are we using... Are we walking in the way that brings glory to God? One of those ways is loving one another that we keep going over and over again. But are we walking in the way that brings glory to God? Or are we just walking, trying to walk in our own flesh and do what we think might be right? Or are we actually trying to follow the truth? First three verses up there in Second John said the word, used the word truth four times. We're we doing it on our own. Are we trying to follow the truth of what God's word says? John 14 and 21 says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So first and foremost, we're to love God. And then right behind that, we're supposed to love others. John continues to be quite clear in describing how we should love one another. It's a, it's a definite theme through these first, first, second, and third John, the books, of how to love one another. If this is covered and talked about so many times and so often right here, I'm guessing it must be a pretty important part of our life. Are we getting it? Are we understanding it? Are we implementing it into our lives? <clears throat> it doesn't mean that we always have to associate with everybody. It doesn't mean that we have to always invite people and interact with everybody. But this Bible does call us to love one another. We're going to get just a little bit into <laughs> the second part of this chapter. And it's in verse 7, it says, For many deceivers has, have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. I want to go back to 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming and is now already 
in the world. You see what is happening here in the church when he's writing Second John and the people that he's writing to. There's something called, <clears throat> is it docetism or docetism? I don't know how to pronounce it as well, very well. But what is being taught is that Jesus didn't actually, he wasn't actually fully human when he was here. And they were teaching that he appeared to have died on the cross, but maybe he didn't actually physically die on the cross. That's what he's talking about, people that are being deceived and false teachers that are coming in. And in this specific instance, this is what's happening. They're trying to teach and they're trying to deceive people and they're trying to draw people away and tell them that Jesus wasn't actually fully human when he was here. Or maybe it just appeared. Maybe it was just his spirit that we saw that was here. But one of the fundamental things that we believe is the deity of Christ. Jesus, when he came here, was fully God, was fully God and he was fully human. Because if he's not fully human when he lives here, there's no way that he experiences everything that you and I experience in this life. It can't happen. It's not possible. And then for him to sacrifice himself and actually physically die, that's what we base our belief on is that he died and then he rose again, taking the punishment for our sins. And so when John is talking about, be careful, don't be deceived. There are many deceivers who have gone out into the world that do not confess Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. He did come in the flesh. And John is warning these people to be careful. Be careful. Are we testing the Spirit's or maybe a better question is, do we take the time to test the spirits? Because if you have been in the word, if you've been in the truth of God's word and you hear something, there's something sometimes in your spirit that's like, this something's just not quite right. If we're not spending time in the truth, we're not spending time in the word, I don't know if we're going to pick up on that quite as fast. It doesn't mean that we beat somebody up over it because go back to the first half of this, of this book and it talks about loving one another. We're still supposed to do that. However, test the spirits. Take the time to test. I've said this and I'll say it again. You read it and you see what the Holy Spirit says to you. Test the spirits to see if they're right. One way to tell truth from deception is if we believe that Jesus was fully human as well as fully God. This is just one of the ways that we can test the spirits. There's a saying that says, uh, all that is required for deception to triumph is for the people of the truth to do nothing. And Don, you were sharing about traveling and deciding to talk to somebody or, or where you were last night, Dad, and, and talking to people that are excited about the Lord. We're not the only ones that are excited about the Lord. There's people all over this country that are excited about what God is doing. If we don't open our mouth and start talking to people and start sharing with people, we will never know. All that is required for deception to triumph is for the people of the truth to do Nothing. Stand up. Stand up for what's true. Stand up for what's right. Get off of the fence. Make up your mind what you're going to do, what you're going to believe, who you're going to follow. Today there's a lot of words that 
used to have one meaning and now they have a different meaning? Are we using the same words, but are we using words that have a different meaning? When you share something and you might be careful with the words that you use, what's the definition of the word that you're using? One word that comes to mind, and this is an old one, is gay. Definition of that has been changed drastically. So much so that we don't use it anymore. But there's other words that work the same way. Are we using words? And if we're using the right words, what's the definition of the words we're using? Let's be, all I'm saying is let's be clear in what we're sharing. Because sometimes it's really easy to be, and maybe I should be more careful, but sometimes it's really easy to be careful what you say and to be uh, a a little bit um, softer in what you say because you don't want to upset anybody or you don't want to offend anybody. And I'm sorry, you can't really go anywhere or do anything without offending somebody because people are so easily offended. But you know what? They're not offended at you because their offense is with God. It's not you. So stand up for what's right. Test the spirits to see if they are right. I want to go to Mark chapter 13. Verses 5 through 11. They're asking Jesus when they're going to see signs of the times of the end of days or whatever. And here's what Jesus said in verse 5, chapter 13. And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. But watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. But when they arrest you and deliver you, do not worry, deliver you up. Do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given to you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Because we can be all concerned and worried about what we're going to say and how we're going to react to things. But to be quite honest, if we stay, and that's, that's a valid concern. I'm not saying it's not valid. But if we stay in the truth, if we stay in God's word, and we focus on who Jesus is and what he's done for us, and we continue to dig in and to read and to pray and to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us, When that time comes that you need to share with somebody, you will have the words to share. Do you ever getting ready to go to something and you stand in front of your mirror and you try to say, you know, how you're going to talk to whoever it is you're going to talk to? Have anybody done that before? I'm sure nobody else has done that. I don't usually do that anymore. Sometimes we'll ask my wife how I should say it. But, you know, we can try to prepare and we can try to, have the right words to say and we can try to do it the right way but let's stay in the word 
and let's rely on the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying don't prepare. I'm not saying don't stay in the truth. I'm not saying let's just wing it and see how it goes. I'm just saying don't be concerned when you're put into situations that you're supposed to share what you're going to share. Because if you are putting in good stuff, the Holy Spirit's going to bring that back to your mind. It's going to bring that to remembrance for you so that when you need it, it will be there for you to use. Be careful. Be careful what you put in. Be careful what you put in. Because what you put into your mind and it rolls around in there and it rolls around in there and it's in there and you never know when it's going to come out. Sometimes it comes out in the right spot and sometimes it comes out in the absolute worst spot possible. But be careful what you put in. Verse 8 of Second John, and it says, Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. How many times if somebody, you know, I always, if you're sitting in, in a class or something and you're listening and you're supposed to be paying attention and then somebody asked a question directly of you. So if I was teaching up here and then I said, okay, Joel, what was the first scripture that I read? I mean, I'm just picking, I, I don't, I'll have to look to see what it was. No, but I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying we all get into that situation. We're always afraid that we're going to get singled out. That we're going to get singled out and I'm not going to know what to say. And I'm going to look dumb and everybody's going to laugh at me. I know I've been there too. I don't like to be singled out either. And I stand up here and share every Sunday. I still don't want to be singled out. But it says, look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for. If you have spent the time, if you have spent time in the Word and you are asking the Holy Spirit to guide you, let's be confident in what we have learned. Let's be confident in what we believe. Let's not lose confidence when we get questioned or when somebody contradicts us in what we believe. I said confident. I didn't say arrogant. And I want you to recognize that there's a huge difference between those two words. Be confident in what you believe. Don't be arrogant in what you believe. Because it will be taken very, very wrong. There's a big difference between, between being confident and being arrogant. Because if we're confident, we can share what we believe and we can do it in love, like going back to the first half of this book. But if we do it in arrogance, it's not going to be done in love. Very, very rarely is that ever done in love. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things which we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Don't be ashamed of who you are. Don't be ashamed of who your Heavenly Father is. Be confident in what you have learned. If you're not sure, go back to the Word. Or we meet here every Sunday morning, talk to a brother or sister. You want to talk about iron sharpening iron. If we're reading the same thing, we start talking about things, we can build each other's confidence, we can build each other's, we can encourage one another in doing these things. But let's not be, let's not lose confidence when we're questioned, 
or when we contradict or when we're contradicted on what we believe. Because if I were to ask you what the first verse was, you could probably figure it out. But when we're put on the spot, what'd you say? You know it? But when we're put on the spot, all of a sudden we can't think of anything. But you know, if we are put in the spot like we were reading in, um, in Mark, and we're brought before whatever, because the gospel is going to go out to everybody, Jesus is tarrying because he wants everybody to have the opportunity to hear the gospel. And so whether it's somebody volunteering to go somewhere and share it, or whether it's involuntarily being placed somewhere that you have to share it, either one will work. But when you're brought before people to share involuntarily, let's have confidence in what we believe. So then we can share. And if you start talking about what you believe, you start talking about what Jesus has done for you, you get excited. You get excited about that. Because really, we don't have anything without what he's done for us. We are nobody. And it's only by his grace that we operate every day. All right, back to Second John. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. I was looking at this, and, you know, we always say, well, we're supposed to love everybody. Okay, we got that. We've, we're, we're hopefully establishing that over the last month and a half or whatever it's been. Hopefully we have established that point. doesn't mean we have down how to do it, but we've established that we need to do that. But then it talks about, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. <clears throat> it's not talking about unbelievers. This is not talking about unbelievers. This is talking about people that know what the truth is, but have chosen not to follow the truth, and they've chosen to believe that Jesus, in this case, didn't actually come in human form. He wasn't actually fully human. These are the type of people that this is talking about. Don't associate with those who bring different doctrine. I don't think it's talking about people that aren't believers because Christ said we're to love everybody, we're to go to the world, we're to share with people, we're to share his love with people, but this is talking about people that do know what the, they do know what the truth is, but they have chosen a different way. And I think that's different. I think it's important to make that differentiation between those people. Romans chapter 16 Verses 17 through 20. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all, therefore I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned 
and avoid them. Now, I just want to say, you need to be, we, you, we, I need to be very, very careful in how we walk in this area. Because there are people that are divisive and they create division and and their whole purpose is to divide people and those people are very dangerous. And this is saying, note who they are. Make a mental note of who they are. And it actually goes on to say to avoid them. Does it mean that we still, does it mean that we don't love them? No, that's not what it means. We're still somehow, some way supposed to love them, but we don't want that to cause division among believers. Because this is apparently what was happening some in the time that this was being wrote and to the church or the group of people that this was being wrote to is that there was some division happening and people were being led astray. And that's why we go back to test the spirits. Take the time to test the spirits to see if they be of God or not. Now, I like what it says here in Romans, and it says, for your obedience has become known to all. Now, I don't know if you realize, but the way that you live, the way that you conduct yourself every day, people take notice of that, whether you realize that or not. And you may not realize that until later in life. Somebody said, I always watched what you did when you were younger, and that just made all the difference in my life. Has your obedience become known to all? Is that how people would label you? Is that how people would see you or view you? Or if they were talking to somebody else about you, would they be able to say, that person, they, they walk what they believe? They don't just tell other people, but they actually live what they believe. Has your obedience become known to all? Let me get back to 2 John. So we're going to end in the verse, last couple of verses. It says, Having many things to write to you, I did not wish to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. There's one more verse that I wanted to read, and that's 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verses 1 through 5. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. I'm going to stop right there. Now that list of things, if that doesn't describe where our world is today, it kind of hits on about everything right there. And I, as we look at, as we, as we interact with people and we come here and we do different things throughout the week, you know, test the spirits, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and to lead you and to give you 
direction as you, as you visit or minister with other people. But it says, it talks about all these things in the last days, perilous times will come. And then it says, having in verse 9 of, of 2 Timothy 3, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. What does that mean? They want, they want what's right, but they don't want it all. They want what's right, but they don't want it all. It reminded me of <clears throat> buying a chainsaw, proceeding to cut it down without starting it, cut a tree down without starting it. So you have a saw that has the power to cut something down very quickly, but you don't use it. If we know who God is, we have accepted who he is, and he's living in us, we have the Holy Spirit. That is a source of power that we don't even understand. I don't fully understand what that means. But I know it does say that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and in me. And so we don't want to choose to have a form of godliness but deny its power. If we're going to follow God, if we're going to wholly and fully commit to what God calls us to do, let's tap into the Holy Spirit's power. Whether it is guiding us, whether it is helping us to discern how to love people, whether it's helping us to, to discern who might, de, who might be divisive or, or deceiving, or whether it's to help us know who we need to send a text to or, or, or a phone call for the week, asking how the week's going, whatever it might be, whatever part of that it might be, let's not, let's not serve God and deny the Holy Spirit to work through us. Because otherwise we have a tool that is very, very powerful that we don't even start and we don't even use. He's there. The Holy Spirit's there. If you've accepted Christ, if you're living for the Lord, the Holy Spirit is living in you and he wants to work through you. We don't have to try and remember or do all of these things on our own because the Holy Spirit is there to help us with these things. He is there to guide us. He is there to fill us. And as we end the book of 2 John, I like what John says. I could have wrote more. This is the shortest book. I could have wrote more, but I didn't want to because I wanted to come and see you face to face. All these kinds of communication that we have are great. They're wonderful. But you cannot replace visiting with somebody face to face. You cannot replace it. Don't even try. We try to and we transfer information and it works great for a lot of things. But if you really want to get to know somebody, God didn't give you a telephone to text him when you have a prayer request. And that's for a reason. It's because he wants to talk to you. He wants you to talk to him. And he wants us to practice that here with other believers. And so I will come to you that your joy may be full. And I just wrote down, we experience the fullest joy in harmonious fellowship with other believers.
because you can experience joy on your own. But when you can fellowship with other believers and you can encourage one another and you meet somebody new and you talk to them and realize that they're just as excited about the Lord as you are, that just brings a joy that we can't understand. So when you come here, when you meet with somebody during the week, enjoy the time together. We experience the fullest joy in a harmonious fellowship with other believers. Stand up with me, if you would. <clears throat> Father, thank you again for your love. Lord, I pray that you would bless our week. Lord, I pray that you would give us discernment. Lord, help us to test things that we hear. Help us to stay in your word. And Lord, when the opportunity that you give us comes to share with somebody, I pray that you would give us the words. Help us to get out of the way and allow us to just open our mouths and allow you to speak through us. We love you this morning. I just pray your direction and guidance on this week. In your name we pray. Amen. One thing I would like to do is I want you to turn to somebody and I want you to tell them that Jesus loves you just the way you are. <clears throat> you can be dismissed. <laughs>